My name is David Thibodeau, and welcome to the Sports for Social Impact podcast, the podcast that explores all the ways that sport can put purpose at the center of what they do to have a maximum impact on our communities and our societies. In this episode, we talk to Danny Kaur, who is the founder of the Fight to Unite initiative using mixed martial arts to tackle issues around social deprivation, inclusion using mixed martial arts, and development pathways to employment and education. He is also the chairman of the Ulster Amateur Mixed Martial Arts, or MMA, and the chairman of the International Mixed Martial Arts Federation, or IMMAF, uh, Peace Through Sport um, Commission. I'm super excited to have Danny on to talk about uh, you know this initiative and how he's using sport um, in in many different ways on and, and how to. Um, you know, tackle these different social issues using using mixed martial arts. Um, it was very interesting to hear this conversation, and I hope that everyone learns a lot from it. I am so excited to welcome my guest today, Danny Kaur, who is the chair of the Ulster Amateur Mixed Martial Arts and also chair of the Peace Through Mixed Martial Arts Commission of the International Mixed Martial Arts Federation, or I-M-M-A-F. Danny, thank you so much for joining me today. How are you doing? I'm good, yes. Nice to be talking today about this. Yeah, uh, thank you so much for joining, and um, I'm really looking forward to hearing about it more. Okay. This is super interesting. Um, could you tell us more about yourself and about the Fight Unite initiative? Uh, myself, um, I've been in martial arts around 40 years or so. Um, sounds a really long time, but... Yeah, um, I lived, I was born in Belfast in Northern Ireland, north of Ireland. Uh, basically built, uh, I, I grew up in what was termed as the Troubles here. Um, and martial arts took me out of that and gave me a, gave me an opportunity to see the world and experience different parts of the world and, and competition and uh, through the martial arts. So, um, yeah, the, the Fight Unite project came uh, about as a result of a trip I had to Brazil about uh, seven or eight years ago, where I was able to uh, coach in the favelas. They have a program running there which uh, takes kids away from the gang scene, takes them away from the drugs, um, puts them into education during the day. And, and I saw the opportunity to bring that type of program back to, back to Ireland. Uh, and since then, we've developed this Fight Unite program. Mm-hmm. So from my understanding, there's uh, there's four pillars of the program. So there's MMA, uh, Mixed Martial Arts, Education, yeah. Employment, and Youth Leadership. Could, yeah. you, ta- to, could you tell us about, um, you know, sort of the four pillars and how you sort of, uh, and, yeah. and how you try to achieve them through the program? Yeah, well, so the employment one's the, the, the end goal and the hope for, for everything around this, you know, and um, we use martial arts to, as sort of the hook to get young people uh, into, into this program. Uh, and away from maybe some antisocial activity they may be involved in or or be in danger of becoming involved in, in you know. Uh, and martial arts versus MMA is a great uh, adrenaline buzz. So it sort of replaces adrenaline buzz that they may have got um, doing other sort of negative activities in, in the community. Um, so when we, we take them in, we, we basically take them through some personal development uh, programs. We talk to them about their lives, what they want to see, um, in their lives, how they feel about their lives at the moment. And when you talk to most of these young people, they're very negative about their future. And the goal of this program is to turn that around and give them a different attitude 
uh, show them how they can succeed through martial arts to get them into education, whether that be like vocational education, um, um, educational um, programs that are linked to martial arts or coaching, and also into academic qualifications. So in the program, we've been able to bring young people through maths and English qualifications, uh, young, young people who have maybe fallen out with that in the school format. Uh, so they're able to do that in the gym. We bring tutors in. And of course, as soon as you get those those qualifications, especially in mathematics and English in this country, then you have a better opportunity of getting employment, whether that be in the sport or outside of the sport, you know. Um, so that, that that's how we do it. Um, awesome. Yeah, no. Um, and, so, you know, some of the results from this Fight Unite initiative that you that um, that you shared with the in this uh in the slideshow before, before yeah. uh, for me to take a look at before, so, you know, the results are you know really impressive. So, yeah. you know, some of the results are like, you know, how do you, so talking about how do they feel about their future? Yeah. The baseline, the baseline percent is, you know, 60, almost 70% of people say not positive and yeah. you know 25% say they're, they're worried and nobody yeah. says they're excited and very few people say they're positive, but the yeah. outcome is a flipped, right? So it's almost 60% yeah. people yeah. saying excited, 30 people, 30% saying they're positive about their future. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, not, not just, um, not just the, the future, but like also, it's also about their education. So they yeah. want more education. They will succeed as the outcome. Yeah. Um, they, they feel a stronger sense of belonging. That, that's so, a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I yeah, no, I definitely take it away. Talk about, talk about the results. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, I mean, funders and government agencies and people like that always want to see the, the, the strong outcomes and results of any program they're supporting or funding. And it's something that we talk about in the training for this program. Um, and that's key. You know, you, you have to produce um, statistical evidence for want of a better phrase. So, um, so showing how they've actually uh, achieved academic qualifications or achieved qual uh, qualifications in the sport is a great thing, but even better than that is how those young people in their own words can express how much the program has done for them. And that seems that's more important now. Um, th those uh, straight views from the young people's mouths, uh, if you like, that are saying how they have changed, you know. And and if you can turn those kids around to to help them see that they have a positive future, um, and something they can keep going with, and give them something sustainable, then they'll it'll be great for themselves, it'll be great for their families, it'll be great for the community as a whole. So then you're you're presenting not only a great picture for for them for the future, but when put people look at what you're providing to see how, how much good it's doing in the community. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, so, you know, I, I, I think it's, so I think it's after the success of the Fight program mm -hmm. that the yeah. commission with uh, the IMMAF was launched. Yeah. Um, could you tell us about the commission and what you, and you know, what sort of you hope will come out of the, what, yeah. what, what do you hope will come out of it? Well, look, the simple hope is that um, a lot of gyms, a lot of organizations will take this program on um, because they all, I mean, it was a bit like myself when I went away from, to Brazil to, to work in these favelas, not working, volunteering these favelas and, and see what how they run things. I knew in my head I was doing all these things back home, but I just hadn't got a structure around it. And that's key, you know, to put a structure around what you're actually doing and show outside people um, how successful you can be with young people. I mean, we're involved in mixed martial arts, MMA. So, you know, the end goal for a lot of young people is to become a, a competitor or a fighter. Um, but that is only a very, very, very small percentage of anybody takes part. And look, if, if you're only providing uh, a pathway to become a competitor or a fighter, then you're missing out all the other benefits of the sport. And you're also going to lose all those young people to the sport who will never 
never make it to that. I mean, we work with a lot of young people who have autism, who have ADHD, who have different special needs. And we like to think we've got a place for them in this sport, you know, through education, through involvement as mentors, um, and they, they can help other young people come on board. So, so that's what we want to see for the organizations across the world, uh, that they can take a program like this on board and run with it, you know, once they're trained up to do it, you know. And at the end of the day, we all need funding to keep things going. So, um, so governments look at this and, and think it's a it's a very very good project to put some funding into. I mean, our ours uh, ran over COVID and the, the serious restrictions we had. So we had to look at the program and see how we could still engage these young people. And a lot of it was done through, um, you know, Zoom facilities and you know one to one. Uh, training and one-to-one um, discussions with the, the people, the, the young people. So we looked at ways of doing this and that ended up be- becoming really successful. And now we still use that as part of the program, you know, to engage young people. Yeah, definitely. I I think, yeah, COVID definitely had a um, a big impact on everyone's sort of operations and had, yeah. everyone had to take a big look at how, and how they, and how they could adapt and, yeah. and, you know, be resilient through it. And I love to hear that you're saying that, um, you know that that right now you kind of think that the the a lot of the pathways in sport are to high performance and i and i totally agree with you i think yeah. that our sports system is designed for that pathway and only yeah. that pathway right now there's very little space for um you know, you know all the other benefits as you say and and yeah. i totally agree with you so i yeah um i mean if I you're love looking, here- yeah sorry david if you're looking just for the next medal winner then you're going to miss out everything else that's around you, you know, and you can, you know, even at that, you can never tell who's going to be the next medal, medal winner at a young age. You know, you think you can't, but um, you're always surprised by who comes through. And th- this program can achieve that as well as um, looking after all the other young people who are involved in the, in the sport, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So what, what is the, um, what's your target age demographics for this program? Like how, um, what exactly you know yeah. who are you who what, what age are you actually trying to reach out to them and, and tackle these you know yeah. antisocial behaviors or yeah well look we've we've two sides to it you know um which is something unique about this um the programs that i've seen before and we see in uh across especially uh, the north of ireland which is looking at um how sport can uh, involve young people they're usually very very short-term six-week programs and they're usually targeted at very very specific uh you know, that 16 to the 19 age group who are maybe not in employment or education. So we've opened that up. So we like to think our program, we have a preventative um, age group, which is literally five-year-olds um, through. So when a five-year-old comes into our gym, we still apply all the personal development um, techniques to this program. So then they're staying in the sport and have they know they have a place in the sport uh, and we can point them towards the education part of it. Um, where we've developed a program where they can get a, actually get an MMA qualification out of this, which is recognised by by government here. So, and we also have that age group then when that sixteen to the twenty one year old who are the, the high target area for um, getting involved in uh, social behaviour or who are out of employment, so they they don't think they have a future. So there's two aspects of it, dude. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and I, and I definitely think that, you know, the, pre- you know, preventative is a definitely a key aspect as well, right? You, yeah. you want to, you want to tackle the problem before it actually becomes a problem. Well, you know, um, I read something today where, you know, um, for every pound, you know, or every pound that you're putting into uh, 
a program like this, you're saving at least five pounds on uh, the activity that the government's going to have to do to uh, prevent crime and you know even to uh, look after young offenders. You know, so it, it's it's beneficial all around. You know, absolutely. And I was about I was actually just about to ask you that as well. Like, what do you think the benefits are to um, you know, to governments, like how, yeah. how, how do you try to sell this to governments for funding or even, you know, um, you know, sport organizations, right? Because right now, as we just talked about sport is really focused on high performance. So how do you sell these programs to, to sport organizations to get them up and running and, and help them see their value? Yeah. Well, that, that, that part of it is key, you know, especially if you're in areas of crime and, you know, when, and, you know, if you're areas and, of poverty, you know, as well, and disadvantage. Uh, we have a lot of underachieving young people who fall out of that educational system, you know. Uh, and once they fall out of the, the mainstream education, then there's there's going to be a problem there, isn't there? You know, there's going to be a social impact where um, benefits are going to have to be paid to those young people if they're not able to support themselves. Um, if they're not able to support themselves, then maybe they're going to get into crime and they're going to get involved in things they, they shouldn't do. And that, that's a cost to society and a cost to the government. So by, by showing them we have a program, I mean, we have like one great example we have in the program, a young, young man came in who um, didn't see a future. Those stats you talked about earlier, those views, didn't see a, a future, hated education. He's now actually getting employed in the, the fire service here, you know, because he went through, he started uh, doing some education, then he went on to uh, second or third level education. And was able to apply for those type of jobs, you know, and now he's getting employment and that. So, yeah, that, that's how I sell it to them. You know, it's it's mm -hmm. not all about producing that high level, high performance athlete. You know, although that is a great, great thing too. But you have to look after everyone else. You know. Yeah. No. Absolutely. And I, I, I think it's a huge. I think it's a huge um, opportunity for governments to increase their, you know, sport for development, sport for impact. Sort yeah. of policies and, and um, you know their programs and stuff. I, I think that's it's a huge opportunity for governments around the world. And yeah. I, I, you know, and, and you know something that I really want, um, you know, that I'm hoping, you know, sharing stories like you know about your yeah. project or your initiative that, yeah, it it opens people's eyes to the possibilities of sports social impact and and that's it. and how, you know, it's and how it can be used in so many different ways. It's so it's it's so. Um, flexible it's so versatile it's so you know you can put it in so many different uh possibilities with so many different sports it's mm -hmm. and it's also I, I you know i believe sport is also a fairly um low cost tool yeah. for implementation for it these is. things yeah yeah especially our sports you know very low cost you know not much equipment needed you know um you could do it and i mean most of our gyms were built in sheds and you know yeah the it's not a lot of cost but the, the key thing is also sustainability you know um a lot of these sport programs that I see uh, around this country in particular, they're all based in very, very short term. Um, it's, it's a terrible term. I call them poverty pimps, you know. So they they would go into areas of disadvantage. They get a load of funding for that group that's running it. And they run it for six weeks and then they're gone, you know. Um, mm -hmm. there's, there's nothing sustainable about that. Whereas what, what we're saying is, you know, we produce a program that, We'll develop mentors. We'll develop coaches. Then those coaches will go on to have a positive impact in their own community because their their peers are seeing how well they're doing, and they want to join something like this. So, um, so it keeps going, and it's a it's a continuous circle. You know, it's not just getting in, doing a six week program, and then leaving again, and you're back to square one. You know. Yeah, I know absolutely. The the long term impacts definitely need to be accounted for. This 
um, you know, I, the six week programs, you know, may, may help, but I yeah. think it's definitely the long-term connection that people are really needing and that help people you know, thrive after the, after the yeah. program is finished and, and ha- having that support and that, um, you know, that, that place that they can go back to, yeah. um, is definitely, you know, helpful as well, I, I believe. Yeah, of course. So I, I'm, you know, I'm curious to know more, um, more about the, the commission, um, okay. So, yeah, yeah, no, no, no worries. Yeah. Um, you know, anything you can, um, you know, share about like, um, yeah, you know, wh- you know, really ho- how you hope to expand this around the world to other mixed martial associations. Yeah. Um, well, well, the idea, and we're just working it up at the minute and hopefully it'll be, um, ready to go in the next uh, month or so is that, um, we will literally train up organization, uh, to run this program themselves okay so rather than myself going out and you know trying to lead these programs um we will get leads out of each organization or clubs or associations to train up on how to run this program i'll give them all the tools that, that we have here all the the baseline studies and how you develop that within your own uh, club or organization and then they can run with that themselves you know and it'll be an imaf backed mm-hmm thing where you can get certification in it and, and what have you so that's that's the idea you know of course with before COVID it was going to be we were going to run courses and go out to uh, organizations and sit and train everybody up but yeah um, COVID's taught it that you can do it an easier way you know <laughs> and again, yeah you know if we get some key people and key organizations to take this program on and run it then then that's going to be a benefit for everyone you know? yeah absolutely um yeah, no, I, I think it was, um, you know, I think based on the, the benefits and the impact that you've had with Fight to Unite, I think definitely, um, you know, people around the world should definitely be, you know, using it as a template and, and yeah. implementing it all around the world. Um, how yeah, And it fits in, you know, it fits in with, it's not just something that's specific to um, Ireland here, you know, it fits in in any country. The young people are the same all over the world, you know, and they, they have generally the same issues, uh, which if they're, you know, underachieving in education. Um, so there's, it fits in anywhere in the world, really, you know, and the, the mm-hmm. tools we've developed through it. We have like a, um, basically a toolkit developed and a facilitator's guide developed that we, we can just, you know, hand over with, with a bit of training to everyone, these organizations who want to run it, and then they go from there. And of course, like myself will support them throughout, you know. Yeah, absolutely. So, what if you know if everything goes exactly how you want it to go? How would how would you see the long term? You know, what would be success to you? What would be the long term impact of you know fight fight to unite and also this commission and you know yeah. the, the work that you're doing through it? Yeah, the the the, the long term benefit would I have really then will have nothing to do with. It. I can sit <laughs> with my hands in my head and think, look at that, that that's going brilliantly, you know, um, and and sort of that's happening in my own organization here where. It was me doing everything, you know. Um, there's young people that know more about this and are more bought into this now than I am, you know, because they have the issues and they see they're more, they're more bad. I mean, I'm, I'm an old man, you know, so I don't know all the issues that young people go through. So that that would be key that organizations are just running this and running it as a standard part of their organization. Um, and my own organization, this is, Fighting Night is what we're about. We're about, we, of course, we have athletes that are uh, fighting on the world stage. And those athletes are have a background in this fight night program, so they they know how beneficial it is. So, yeah, that would be the key thing that organizations see this as just a standard part of their offering, you know. 
and that government come on board and, and fund each of these organizations or clubs or, or young people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, a standard part of their operations, I think, yeah. um, would be an amazing long-term, yeah. long-term yeah. impact um, that thing that you're trying to achieve. So yeah. wh- what are some of the challenges do you find with the, with the program? Yeah, I think the challenges are that, um, especially with uh, MMA, that MMA was set up as a fighting sport and that's it, you know. It sort of was set up a bit backwards, you know, that um, it was the only goal was to get into that cage and, and fight. You know, um, there's so many more benefits from it. You know, we always use the the cage as like a, a life scenario, you know, that you get into that cage to, to compete. It's a bit like life. You know, you feel like you're on your own, but you know, you have every, you have all that support around you, all your coaches, all your training partners, um, and you're never sort of alone. So, um, yeah, but the, the challenges are always that if you're talking to people in the sport that, why should why do I want to you know get involved in this? Why do I want to get involved in education? Um, but when you show them the benefits and the benefits to their club, I mean, the numbers in our club. If you if you look at that simple thing, the numbers in our club of young people have like quadrupled in the last two years. You know, and it's all because of this because we they know that coming into the club, they they're not just there to be a fighter. They're going to learn all the techniques. They're going to train. They're going to get fit and healthy. But they've also another avenue they can go. They can get into coaching. They can get into mentoring. Um, and they, they can maybe, and the end goal, the way we started here, the end goal is perhaps they get employment directly from this, you know, and that benefits everybody. That benefits your club and how your club's going to be sustained throughout the next few years, you know. Absolutely. I mean, we were, yeah, I mean, during COVID, just as an example, um, I, I have, a, I have a, a, a gym where obviously we have to pay the, the rent and the rates and electric bills and everything else. But because of this program, we were funded for two years, you know. So, I mean, that, that should say a lot to people that if you have a program run like this, government will come in and funders will come in and help you run your program. For sure. So I, I'm curious to know just um, what sort of do you, um, do you find it's mostly young boys who come in or is it, you know, equal between boys and girls? I'm yeah. um, just in terms of like the sport in my head, I'm thinking yeah. maybe it's more male dominated, but I really have no idea. So I'm, I'm interested to hear, you know, if you have outreach programs yeah. for, for young girls as well, or. Yeah, well, yes, it is. I mean, to be honest with you, it is male-dominated, and there's a reason for that, um, because uh, certainly in this country, uh, males are, are more likely to underachieve, uh, certainly in education. Okay. Yeah, so, so that is a key thing. Now, we, we have uh, put some um, templates together to engage, you know, make it, you know, get into the equality side of it and try to get young young women uh, involved in the sport. Um, and I suppose it's like, if you were to put a ratio like the, you know, the sport itself, you know, it is male dominated, of course, but look, look how much, look how many uh, females are now involved in the sport and how high level that has become for them. So yeah, but it is, it is, and it will be always be mostly male dominated. And that's not a, that's not a sexist thing. It's no, because, yeah. Because the program um, is trying to get um, underachievers in and give them something to take back into them their community and their family and their educational life. And, and certainly in this country, the high level of underachievement are young men, you know. Um, but yes, the program does look at um, what we can do for young girls in, in the program and, and what their needs are and how we can develop that. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I, I wasn't, I, I was just asking because I was, I was curious. I wasn't trying to. <laughs> um... oh, no, no, I totally understand. And it's something we've, I mean, this has been a learning process for us, you know. And um, when you open the doors, for instance, when we, we put the call out for the first bit of this program two, three years ago nearly. We were only looking for 20 
20 people. Um, 80 turned up on the doors, you know. Wow. And then, yeah, so we so we had to look at what we were providing and think, uh, my God, can can we do this, you know? And it was on the on the hoof, if you like, that we developed the program to, to make sure we were looking after everybody's interests, you know, and we do that by doing asking them a baseline study and a baseline questionnaire, you know. Um out of those 80, there was 23 young girls that were involved in it, you know. Um so it was a good percentage if you look at their percentage involved in the sport. So yeah, definitely. Well, um, Danny, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to talk with me again today. No you know, I, it was really, I really appreciate it. I think it was super interesting to hear, you know, you. what you're, what you're doing, how you're implementing it at the operations, how you're trying to, you know, scale up and bring it all around yes. the world. Yes. Um, we, do you have, uh, just before we, just before we sign off, do you have any you know, final messages or anything that you would like to share with anybody listening? Yeah. I just, if once you see this program being launched, um, don't think you're, you're you're not capable or you're not able or it isn't something that you'll be able to run. I guarantee you, you, you will be able to run it. Um, and you'll, the benefits of it are, are un, unbelievable, you know. Um, so, yeah. So once you see it coming up, get a, grab it and jump on board. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Danny. I really appreciate it. And I um, yeah, can't thank you enough. No, no problem. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Thank you again to Danny for taking the time to speak with me today about Fight to Unite and Peace Through Sport. Now, my key takeaways from this episode are that we need to build sport for development into the sports system. Um, you know, right now, I think that they're two, that they, that we think about them as two separate things. Um, there's the sport for development and there is sport for high performance and sport for, uh, you know, professional sports, elite sports. And, you know, similarly to, you know, what Danny and I were talking about, that sport for development pathways can lead to high performance in elite sport, but it's much more than that too. And I think it's more, I think it's um, more inclusive. I think it's more participatory. And I think it's, I think it makes more space for people to be involved in sports in different capacities than just trying to get to that next level, trying to get to that, that next level and trying to get to that gold medal. So I, I think when governments and uh, sport organizations and sport federations are doing reviews of their you know, strategic reviews or, 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 or policy reviews of what they want to achieve with, their, with, with sport, in sport, and through sport, I think that they need to reflect hard on what we think about sport is and what our values are and what we want to achieve. So I know that... I know that Right now, Sport Canada, so the government of Canada is doing a policy review for the next 10 years of Canada's sport policy, so 2023 to 2033. So I would really encourage um, policymakers and everybody participating in these consultations that they're doing right now to really focus on this and focus on sport for development and how we can how we can find more synergies and how we can incorporate it more into our sports system. I think that it is, I think that this is a really important takeaway from from today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. I will talk to you next time.